Arnie Manua family. What a joy to be back here uh, with this church that we love so much. We are so grateful to the Lord for your lives and everything the Lord is doing through this church and also for the great friendship I have with Pastor Stephen. He's been a blessing my family, my ministry in the last two years and a half. I'm here with my firstborn child, Pamela. She will turn 18 in two weeks. And I had a feeling now that I'm getting old. But it's just impression. I'm so grateful the Lord gave uh, us three children. I married with Sonia for more than 20 years. And the Lord is blessing us with a beautiful family and the privilege to serve his kingdom. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23 to 27. Matthew 8, 23. The Bible says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swapped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the man marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we praise you for this great evening in your presence. We praise you for every single blessing you are displaying upon our lives. In this moment, Lord, we need to listen to your voice. Speak to us clearly through scripture and help us to understand who is the God of our storms. These we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Leisure time or pleasant moments are not suitable to us to draw, draw conclusion about who people really are inside. People generally try to show their best qualities and not their bad traits. This is especially common when people are young and still looking for their better half. We try to hide what we don't have uh, and also display what we have in the best. However, it is the turbulent moments what Christians call trials that actually reveal our core values. Who is valuable to us? Who we really are? And then the most important, what is the quality of our relationship with God? With this in mind, I'd like to move back to this Bible passage and let's notice who is the God of our storms? When we look to the Gospel of Matthew, most of you remember Matthew has one main, main, main priority. 
show Christ as the king. The king of not just the Jews, but the king of all the earth. And every single chapter, Matthew is showing qualities, attributes from Christ that proves he is the king of the universe. In chapters 7 and 8, uh, sorry, in chapter 8, Matthew already shared several miracles that could prove Christ's kingership. And when he started his ministry in Galilee, north of Israel, many curious people were following him. Who is this man? He's performing miracles, he's doing great things. And we had not just disciples, but also people who were interested to get some advantage from him. In this moment, if you notice before the verse we read in the verse 18, the Lord advised them they should cross the Sea of Galilee, and he invited the crowd around them, around him, to go to the other side of the, the sea. In this moment, many people came to him, named the disciples in the Greek, matetes, but not the real disciples, but general followers, came to him saying they didn't have time or they had other priorities. It was when Jesus showed them the real cost of discipleship. To be a real disciple it was not enough you just follow him when he was performing miracles, but you would be willing to pay the price. Regardless of that, some man decided to go with him. And not just his own boat, but other boats were in the lake. We're going to see it was a lake and not a sea. And in this context... We, we find this precious story and we realize that there are inevitable events in the journey of a disciple of Christ. There are inevitable events in the journey of a disciple of Christ. The first precious biblical truth we find in this passage is that unexpected storms sometimes present themselves. Unexpected storms sometimes will show up in our lives. Notice again in the verse 23 and 24. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swapped by the waves. But he was asleep. Suddenly... A violent storm stirred up the sea. And so the waves were swapping the boat. Literally, it was a tremor. In the original, the word is seismos. That we get the word seismography. That can measure earthquakes. Came to the sea. We don't know if it was an earthquake and also shaked the sea. Or the storm was so great that the sea was crazily shaking. But the disciples could not expect that. It is important to remember, as I mentioned, 
The Sea of Galilee is in fact a lake. It's not a huge lake. It's 14 miles long and 5 miles wide. But it is about 212 meters below sea level in the Mediterranean. So the water is always warm. But this lake is surrounded by mountains. And the most famous is the Mount Hermon. It's almost 3,000 meters high. So it is very common the cold wind come from the Hermon and reach the Sea of Galilee, the warm water. And then unexpected storms are formed. This is why even experienced sailors could not predict the storms. And while they were crossing and not expecting, this storm came and shaked the boat with violence. These disciples had seen a series of supernatural manifestations of Christ's power. If you notice in this chapter, a leper, a centurion servant, Peter's mother-in-law, and many other cures and exorcisms. Jesus gave them a bunch of proofs that he was God. But this was a new challenge. It was not a challenge regarding a disease or also a spiritual world, but it was a natural phenomenon. They were in the boat. Even though the boat... In the boat, we had seasoned fishermen on board. Something happened that was beyond their control, beyond their experience. This is why some scholars believe it was not just a general storm that they, they already faced, but probably an earthquake. They were in despair. Jesus made it clear, church. That as a result of living in a broken world, all kinds of storms would manifest in our journey. The arrival of a disease that drastically can change our life's dynamic, a betrayal or from a husband or a wife, maybe a rebellion of a child. This can just shake our lives. But, even though he said that in the world we would have tribulation, we should be of good cheer, for he overcame the world. Some churches that preach a false gospel generally say that if you are serving the Lord with faithfulness, with dedication, you will never face trials or storms. Or if you face, they will remain in your life just for a little bit. That's not true. That's not true at all. We can see all the men of God in the Bible struggling and facing storms and learning from, from them. But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is when the storm appears 
that we start to taste his sovereign plan and his sovereign way to bring growth. Remember, the Lord had called those men who were in the boat with him to the real discipleship. Even though he was performing miracles, he was teaching and modeling the real Christian life for those men. And that storm was not out of his plans. Some practical lessons. Storms of life are not necessarily synonymous with the absence of Christ or lack of faith. Sometimes you will be in your best moment as those disciples were. But the storm will come with a new challenge and you won't understand. I remember when we were serving Japan in 2014, we were in our best moments. The church was growing, our mission field, our planting church in India was growing, also a school for refugees in Africa, and then I burned out. I was just 33. Healthy, eating well, exercising, and I could not understand why I was facing that disease who disturbed our work and all the mission fields we were working with. Sometimes the storms will appear in your life and you won't understand why exactly. It is true. Some storms are consequence of bad choice. Supposedly, if you didn't spend time with your children, praying and discipling them, teaching the word of God, when they were just little kids, when they grow up, probably they will behave like any other teen who don't know Christ. And this storm is consequence of Lack of faithfulness in the discipleship. But other times you do your best. You raise your children in the church. You teach them scripture. You spend time praying with them. And they rebel like the prodigal son. And we keep asking God, why if I did my best? Storms come. But then we find a second precious truth in this Bible passage. At times, it seems that Christ is indifferent to our despair. At times, it seems that Christ is not noticing what is happening in our lives while we are struggling in the middle of a strong storm. Look again in the part B of verse 24. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Christ was fast asleep in the boat, despite of the storm. What? He had a stressful day, extremely busy, and we could say that he slept very well. I don't know if... Any of you is a good sleeper like that? 
The boat was shaking. We can read in Mark that even water was getting inside the boat and he was sleeping on a pillow. He was extremely tired. But we also notice he was 100% man. This is why he was so tired. But we also know he was 100% God. And this is why the scholar Hendrickson makes a notable observation. He says, quote, Furthermore, it was not difficult for him to fall into a deep sleep for his confidence in the Heavenly Father. His own father was unshakable. Neither the roar of the wind, nor the rumbling of the waves, nor even the thunder jolts of the boat could wake him up. He trusted in the Heavenly Father. So should the disciples had the same trust and faith. Remember what he said to them before they joined the boat. Take a look again in the verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave others to go over to, to the other side. He mentioned they should go to the other side. So if he mentioned that, all the disciples with him should be confident, restful, peaceful, even in the middle of the storm, but not as the storm raged, the disciples who were with Jesus in the boat, even though they were experienced sailors, they were in despair. And then you can realize the level of the storm. When sailors go to an ex-captain asking for help, the problem should be great. And... He just, they just go. And we have different reports. Here in Matthew, we, we can see them mentioning, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But in Mark, Mark mentions that they said, Master, do you not care that we perish? And then look. Relates the saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. That's common. If you are in a despair, in a bad circumstance, and you have many people praying, everybody will pray in a different way. So one of the disciples said, Master, we are dying. The other one, Master, Master, you don't care. Are you serious? Are you sleeping? Wake up. Save us. In that moment, they could not remember the Lord's promise. But what the storm was not able to do, wake up Jesus, the prayer, the claim of his disciples did. Jesus woke up. It is fact, dear brothers and sisters, that it is easy for us to trust God when everything is flowing in the direction we desire. 
It is great to come to the church and stand hands and sing hymns and sing great is thy faithfulness. It is easy and breezy. The real challenge is when our lives is just going to a complete different direction that we planned. We stand and say, Lord, great is your faithfulness. I don't understand. I don't like. I'm afraid, but I trust you. You are still in control of my life. This is the real challenge the Lord called those disciples to follow. And this is the challenge the Lord is calling everyone this morning here. Trust in His sovereignty in the universe. But they could not understand. Even the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, whom the Lord used to write half of the New Testament. I doubt any of us has a faith like him. And in 2 Corinthians saying that the Lord put a thorn in his flesh. A messenger from Satan to disturb him. And he prayed first, first time. No answer, silence. And then he prayed a second time. No answer, just a silence from God. What did Paul do? He stopped. He started to complain against God. No. He kept praying. And he prayed the third time. And the Lord decided not healing him at that moment. But answered saying, my grace is enough to you. When we face troubled times, storms that we cannot understand, never give up praying. The Lord is present even when you cannot feel Him. The Lord is taking care even when in your heart only sadness and despair are present. He is still there. But it is important Surround your life with godly people, with prayer partners. Surround your life with people who can encourage you and exercise faith with you. Surround your life with people who already faced the same trials and tribulation that you are facing now. There are experienced people in this church, and praise God for those gray hairs. They can be a blessing. They are a blessing, and they can be even a greater blessing in your life and family. Go to them and ask them to share their storms and how the Lord guided them. For sure, you will find guidance and listen to the voice of the Lord. He's present, always present, always present with his church. And we need great examples, godly examples in a broken world. I remember one episode that marked the beginning of Methodism. It was when John Wesley had his first missionary trip to the state of Virginia to evangelize 
the native Indians. It was a disaster. He was so frustrated in a boat heading back to England. Asking God why when a huge storm came. And everyone in the boat was in despair, afraid. But what called his attention was a group of Moravians. While people were in despair, those Moravians, even the children, were calm. Singing hymns, worshiping the Lord and praying peacefully. He asked it to himself, what kind of faith is this and confidence? I need this for my life. There are godly people here and spiritual warriors that can walk with you and pray with you in your storm. And the last truth that I find in this precious Bible passage is that Christ's sovereignty demonstrates his power in teaching and provision. Christ's sovereignty demonstrates his power, not just solving the problem, but teaching and providing the way he planned it. Look again, verse 26. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And he stood and asked, Why are you afraid? I believe some of them thought, prob probably they didn't say, but some of them thought, are you serious? Why are we afraid? Can't you see the storm? Can you, can't you see the wind? Probably the thunders. All the bad stuff. Why are we afraid? But remember, the Lord was preparing those disciples for the greatest mission. To perform things far beyond what he did in three years and a half. So they needed preparation. Before calming the storm, he was willing to teach a lesson. And then he's peacefully asking a question. I believe some of them probably thought, Lord, please just calm the storm before, and then we can stay in the boat two, three hours, listening whatever you want to teach us, but first, calm the storm. We behave like that. Oh, Lord, solve this problem. You see how I, I am struggling. Oh, it's hurting a lot, Lord. I'm your servant. Please, please. We want the solution before the lesson. But God doesn't work like that most of the time. First, he will teach us the lesson. Even in the craziness of a storm. 
Can you imagine the scene? They shaking from, from one side and the Lord peacefully teaching. Why are you afraid? Tell me. Share your heart. If you are in a deep sorrow and claiming to the Lord, He's teaching you. Doesn't matter if people sinned against you. Doesn't matter if somebody did something horrible against you. God is still in control. His sovereignty is still controlling every single aspect of your life. So always, always ask, Lord, what lesson you want to teach me? Speak to me. I want to listen to your voice and learn everything for your glory. To grow in faith and to become a mighty man of God. After teaching the lesson. And it is interesting how the Lord used this. And I remember the words from William Cowper. And he said, God has a mysterious way of your wonders to perform. He traces his way in the sea for the storm to ride. Take a breath. Fearful sense. The clouds that frighten them so much overflow mercy. And they will pour blessings on their heads. We serve a good God. And even though he teaches us painful lessons, he is in charge and he will bring solutions for everything. And then after teaching the lesson, he rebuked the winds and the sea. Is that an effectual matter? Jesus declared his authority over the elements of nature. So there was a deep, literally great calm. He just rebuked. Like he rebuked the same Greek word when he rebuked the fever from Peter's mother-in-law. He had control not just the disease. He had control not just over the demons. He had control over the universe, the nature, the government. He has control over everything. And when he rebuked, a deep calm came immediately. It was not the wind that normally stopped the first and took some time to the waves stop shaking. No. It was synchronized immediately. Wind and water stopped. They were mesmerized. It was a miracle. And they said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And Mark mentions that when the storm began, they were afraid. But when Christ stopped the storm, they were extremely afraid. You know why? Because they realized they were not before 
a storm. They were before the Son of God, the creator of the universe. This is the Christ who are standing this morning. And this is the Christ that you will be standing when you leave this sanctuary and come back to the storm that is still disturbing you. He is there. And he has all the power. And in the meantime, he will stop the storm and teach us the lessons. Last year, we received a family from Brazil. They were in their vacation. Eduardo and Mariana, they are active members uh, from our former church. Serving the Lord with faithfulness in a bunch of different ministries. Eduardo, he is 42. And during the pandemic, when he took the first dose of the COVID vaccine, AstraZeneca, he had, uh, the vaccine had triggered the Guillain-Barré syndrome. Some of you are familiar with. And the following day, he was paralyzed on a bed. He went to the best hospital in Brazil, Albert Einstein Hospital in Sao Paulo. And he could not even close his eyes to sleep. The doctors used a kind of a medical glue. No hope. No solution. But our church kept praying. Not understanding how the Lord allowed this happen to one of the most brilliant men of our church. But we kept praying. When we don't understand, we keep praying. And in a glorious way, he started to recover slowly. It was necessary to take an extremely expensive medication, $50,000 each application, every month, during 13 months. Even though they could buy they had a great financial condition, but they could not find it because in the entire globe, people were looking for this medication. And one day, when the doctor said, well, we don't have the medication for you, there was another simple patient beside him. And she said, well, I just finished my treatment, and I believe I still have this medication. Her father was a simple fisherman. And Mariana went to this man and said, please, I can buy this medication from you, please. My husband needs, and he said, nope. I received it freely. And I will give to you, give it to you freely. I don't want any money. He took the medication. By God's grace, he was fully recovered. After one year where most of the doctors said, well, we don't have many hope regarding his recovery, he's fully recovered 
for God, God's glory. <clears throat> when he was here in my house sharing this with me and my kids, he turned to Pamela and said, Pamela, if you would ask me if I had the opportunity to come back in time and take the vaccine again, I would say that I, I would take it. You know why? Because the lessons that I learned and the experience that I had with God, I could not have in 10 lives without this. So I would move forward. As C.S. Lewis said, God whispers in our choice, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our grief. Who is the God of our storm? Close your eyes, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you for your faithfulness, mercy. We praise you for your love. Your love displayed in our lives in that immeasurable ways. We praise you, Lord, because in every single storm of life, you are teaching us precious lessons. We praise you, Lord, because there are some of my brothers and sisters here facing a strong storm. They don't know how to act or react, but just bring to their hearts peace, Lord. Show them you are present. Even though they can listen just your silence, you are present. Put godly people around them and give them the grace to learn everything you are teaching them, Lord. But also relieve, relieve all the sorrow and pain your people face. We trust in you and we devote to you everything that we are. In the beloved name of Jesus, amen. May the Lord bless you.